Hello, and welcome to the podcast. My name is Father Peter Mossett. The, the podcast, I mean, the word on the hill with the lanky guys. It is still a podcast. The, what the podcast is, in case you're wondering. I still always, accurate. I find it so funny. It's actually, I think it would be really fun to go and do a mashup of all of the podcasts who say welcome to the podcast. Oh, that it, would be the worst. Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't it would it really would hurt me inside. So every time I say it, I hear I I like hurt myself a little bit, you know? I I can I'm yeah, it hurts <laughs> a little bit. Anyway, this is the with the link, you guys. It is Giving Tuesday, y'all. So um, for those of you who are listening on the normal podcast experience that you would have on your iPhone or whatever else, we are doing a live broadcast of this podcast that you're listening to. So right Woo-hoo. now on December 1st, the feast day of St. Elysius, yeah, the, the patron saint of metal, metal workers, workers and craftsmen. I was going to say whittlers. And, and uh, treasurers, treasurers and people in okay. king's courts. I was treasurer in high school of my junior class. <laughs> <laughs> so he's my bit of a patron saint for me. Um, it is Giving Tuesday, though. We are uh, we have set a goal. We're trying to raise $20,000 in the next 24 hours to support the ministry that St. Thomas Aquinas Catholic Center does here in Boulder. So our... And oh, go for it, it. I have to tell you that, that all of the gifts that you give uh, uh, really are a direct help to the work that we do and to the podcast that we broadcast and the ability to reach uh, not just see you in the world, um, but to literally transform the culture one person by one person by one person. The leaders and the the profound work that you're participating in, it makes such a huge difference. So thank you for uh, those of you who are participating, uh, who are watching us live, and for those of you who will uh, donate. So I really encourage you. Um, even if it's just a little bit, it, it makes a big difference. If it's a lot, it makes a big difference. It's so, true. So, you know, I really am so thankful for you uh, participating me? in this work, in this ministry. Oh, not me, them. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm no, thankful for you, Scott. Well, you know, and one other thing to note, um, that, that it's weird. this has been a strange year. It's been chaotic. Everything has been crazy. But in, in, a, in, a, in an interesting way, we've been able to extend our reach in some ways this year as well. So our Aquinas Institute, in which the Lanky S podcast is housed, we always do a speaker series every year, our great debate, and all of those strings are, are streaming online this year. So we've had a great speaker series. We have our dialogue with Robert George and Cornell West coming up in January, and that's accessible to everybody. It's totally free of charge. And so that's, you know, one of the many things that that your contribution goes to support. And now we're able to share a lot of what we've been doing here in Boulder with the whole world, which has been a huge blessing. I teach some scripture classes that I got to open up um, enrollment for anybody around the country because we're doing it over Zoom. And so there's a whole lot of people I know, listeners to the podcast, people, you know, in universities all over the country that now get to kind of tap in a little bit on what we're doing. So um, please help us keep doing that. Help us keep offering more stuff like this. And uh and bring the gospel of Jesus Christ um, to the folks here in Boulder and see you. So if you want Absolutely. to help us out, if you are able, yeah. please go to thomascenter.org and you can click the link that says donate. You can also find out more information about all the stuff we're doing. Um, if you don't have time to go to a website, you can text the number 720-513-7337, 720-513-7337, uh, and you can donate that way as well. So... All of those things being said, and we're going to kind of revisit those things. A um, couple of quick hellos, by the way. I want to say hello to Diane from Alamogordo, New Mexico. Um, we have Jennifer down in Philadelphia, Anne, who loves the rocking chair. 
Um, <laughs> we have Michael down in Tallahassee, Florida. Kiara from or Clara, Clara, I think. If I'm saying your name right, I'm so sorry, Clara from Seattle. Um, we got listeners from Germany. There's there's like three different platforms that we're broadcasting live from, so I'm only able to kind of see. So I know there's more of you out there, and thank you for being with us this morning, and uh, we love it. Yeah, we love it. So. So uh, we're uh, going to podcast. This is the we're heading into the second Sunday of Advent. That's right. Uh, that's coming up uh, year B for those of you who um, are uh, are in the um, uh, who are not yet uh, have their lectionary set properly. I see. Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's not. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's all. That's all. That's only um, priests, actually. Most from uh, the most part, unless you've got a special missile. Like if oh, you have a that's permanent true. missile, yeah. your your B actually helps out. So yeah. our first reading comes from. <laughs> what is it from, Father Peter? It's uh, from Zechariah. You're throwing everybody off. It's from Isaiah. There's a priest like Isaiah. five minutes before his homily. He's like, get to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe so not. our first reading is from Isaiah 40. Yep. The classic all time. This is the pentacle of Isaiah. It's this the turning is, point. It's the hinge of Isaiah yeah. in a very real way. 41 to 5, 9 to 11. Yes, yes, yes. And our responsorial psalm is coming from Psalm 85, verses 9 through 10, 11, 12, 13 through 14. And then the response itself coming from verse 8. Our second reading is from Second Peter, mm-hmm. uh, chapter three, verses eight to fourteen. Yes, yes, yes. And our gospel is coming from Luke. Uh, no, it's not. Our response, <laughs> or our um, our Alleluia, is coming from Luke. That's what threw me off. Yeah, it, it's a long. It's a long one. Which one? The Alleluia of, uh, acclamation. Is it? Yeah. On my little platform, it's only two lines. On my platform, it's probably two lines too, but I, I, I always, it oh, always that a gives joke? me extra. I never catch your sarcasm. No, it's not sarcastic. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's like me learning that it gives me too much information. And, I love it. Yeah. Um, it makes me happy. Our <laughs> gospel, though, is not so long. It's coming from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Uh, okay, yes. well, thanks for coming, everybody. We will see you Okay, so, so this, is, okay. this is the reality. Okay. Okay. Ooh, we get it. We're getting reality now. This is the reality. Oh, boy. Comfort, Where comfort, my here? people, says your God. This is like, the, it's such a turning point, and we are, uh, we, um, that you must commit this as best you can to memory, because this is such an important moment in all of Isaiah, and, and act, indeed, in fact, in all of the scriptures. This is just an absolutely critical moment. Yeah, um, one of my, so I have three words that are sort of my thematically running through these readings today. And my three, it's like Sesame Street, it's right, the word of the day. Yeah. So my words of the day are glory, ah, gospel, ah. and memory. Hold on, hold on. Say them again because I was being annoying. <laughs> Not much, though. Glory, gospel, and memory. Mm. Glory, gospel, and memory, or remembering, but memory sounds better. Um, and this, this passage from Isaiah actually encompasses all three of them in a real way. So um, glory, well, glory, it's its explicitly mentioned. I have so many windows open on my computer. Um, glory is explicitly mentioned. Well, it's referenced here. It's explicitly shows up in the in the responsorial psalm. And we'll get to that in a second. But when you hear the word glory or the idea of glory show up in the Bible, it it's not... 
an abstraction. So we we hear the word glory, and I, I think in terms of like something that's really good or lots of praise, or but it, but it's an abstract idea. When the ancient Jews heard glory, they think of the physical, tangible manifestation of God's presence among His people. So the glory cloud, the Shekinah that dwelt, that led them out of Egypt, that dwelt in the holy of holies. That's God's glory. And so when we hear about God's glory, it always is physically the physical presence of God with us. And that's what all these things are kind of pointing to because um, like we talked about last week for the church, Advent is a very, Advent's just a weird time. I'm just going to put that out there because it's not quite Lent. It's, it's penitential in some ways. It's preparatory, but it's not the same as Lent. It's not as penitential. It's also, you know, we're not like the rest of culture that's kind of been celebrating Christmas since Halloween. We're not there either. <laughs> we're in the weird in yeah, between. Yeah, but yeah. but we're not, you know, diehard like, you can't put up anything. You know, right. it's a weird in between, which always makes it very, this is going to sound strange. One of the things I love about Advent is that I I still don't understand, after all these years of being a Catholic and trying to live it out, I still don't quite understand what Advent is supposed to look like exactly. Yeah, what's funny is I always am looking and, and like as soon as we pull the Gloria away and we start donning purple, it's it's such a long experience. Lent is yeah. so long that there's like these feelings of Lent and it's like, it's like right. a, and even some people will even call it mini Lent. Right. And so, but then it's- Which isn't it's, wrong. Right. It's it's not wrong, but it's 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 got some penitential stuff to it. Yeah. And it's got some anticipation, but it's, right. but it's, its character is a very, it's, it's just so different that I, I still haven't figured it out. Well, and the reason I like that and that the honesty of, of admitting that we don't really know how to deal with it is because that, I think, and I hope I'm not going out too far on a limb, I think theologically that's what Lent, or that's what Advent is supposed to be. It's what it's supposed to remind us of because it's meant to be an icon of the place in which we live historically, which is that Christ has come. We know he's become incarnate and he's saved us from our sins. And now we're waiting for him to come back. And so we have kind of this, and, and Advent in a particular way is meant to highlight that fact for us that we know the end of the story. We know what has happened. It's already taken place, but we're not yet experiencing the fullness of it. So in a sense, the church is calling us to remember something that's not fully taken place yet, which you want to talk about paradoxes. That's kind of what Advent is. Use your memory to wrap your mind around that which has not fully taken place, which is, I think if there is a theme that runs through each and every one of these readings, it's that one. Because all of these readings speak to the experience of Israel having been in a certain sense saved, but not really experiencing it in its fullness. So you talked about Isaiah 40. It really is a hinge. It's a turning point, not just for the book of Isaiah, but of all of salvation history. And if you if you drill this down into where it actually shows up in the book of Isaiah, there, there's two. So Isaiah is a, is a weird book. It's frustrating and it's daunting, but it's a whole bunch of prophecies that span the course of time. But there are two historical narratives that show up about stories of two kings who deal with attacks from different foreign nations. One of them is named Ahaz. It's back in chapter seven. The other is King Hezekiah. And his story is from chapter 36, I believe, through 39. So right before this. So if you drop this historically into the book, what we're dealing with is this is being written to Israelites uh, or Jewish people who have just been spared from a ravaging of the nation of Assyria. Assyria has attacked. The northern kingdom has been wiped out, obliterated. The southern kingdom has been 
uh, breached. Jerusalem has been beat up. Walls have been knocked down. Cities have been burned. But because of Hezekiah's kind of almost last minute faithfulness in embodying the, the pain and the suffering that the people of God are going through, Israel is spared. Jerusalem is saved. And Assyria backs out. And we, although we've been beat up pretty badly, we've been spared by God. And so this is, in a certain sense, written to those people who are saying, wow, we feel really beat up, yet vindicated because you saved us. And God says, now it's time for comfort. Now it's time for a little bit of consolation. But go for it. And then there's more. Yeah, yeah. But this is funny because as I'm looking, the the word... It says, speak tenderly to Jerusalem and uh, for that her warfare is ended. For now. For now. And now that's the... And e- that comes later. That's the ESV. Um, the, the word is humiliation. Yeah. Or almost incarceration. <sighs> yeah, this is actually the yeah. thing is, as I've been reading it, as I'm looking and, and like, what have they been doing? They've been having to go through and sure, there's some skilled labor. There's some stuff that's like, that is... Um, but I would bet that they were actually doing road work. Yeah, to, uh, to rebuild because abs- there's been destruction. Absolutely. I think that, that like what's happened is that, well, th- that in their incar- in incarceration, what do we see them doing in Egypt? They were be- they were architects. They were sl- I mean not architects, they were slave laborers. Absolutely. They were building they were building the buildings because absolutely. they were so strong. Yep. So in the same moment, I actually have the I, I suspect that inside why it says it says make a highway for your God. Mm-hmm. I actually think that because of the amount of forced labor that they were actually going through while they were in Assyria, while they were subjected, that their humiliation. Well, they were never in Assyria. I mean, sorry, sorry. As as they were as as they were in Egypt, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but no, as they were as they were occupied, as they were actually dominated. Yeah. yeah. Is that they, they're they're going through it? So it's comfort, comfort my people. That, mm-hmm. in fact, that there was something that Israel learned. In this work that God is saying now, no, see how you learned all of these horrible, difficult things that were going on mm-hmm. as you were in, as you were um, under this tyranny. Absolutely. You're now going to be called upon to use it in freedom. That's absolutely right, because there's a spiritual component. You're, you're, you're putting a very tangible, th- this is the beauty of Isaiah. Right. As frustrating as he is. Right. Is there is, um, I don't know of another book of the Bible that actually intermingles the tangible with the spiritual in the way that Isaiah does. Mm. So there, there's literal and there's metaphor. So, I mean, he's, he is talking about highway construction, level the, level the, the hills, lift up the plains. I mean, level things out, make the, make a high, literally a hodos, a highway for our God. Right. Do make road construction. Road. Right. And that, that's of course going to come to fruition in the gospel of Mark, where there's literally a road that Jesus travels out to the wilderness and then back to the temple. It's not a metaphor, but yet we, metaphorically in a certain sense, then enter into that spiritually, not metaphorically, but in a spiritual way. Right. So there, there's a both and here, but what Isaiah is going to go on to say, so, I mean, I, I love this passage, but I, um, and kind of exploring outside of the bounds of, of what our, our passage talks about. Um, so I, I, I threw in, you know, when you read uh, speak tenderly to Jerusalem, proclaim to her, her service, her warfare, her humiliation, whatever it is, is at an end. I added the words for now, which it doesn't say in the text, but if you read on, that is the point. And this is where we come back to gospel, glory, and memory. 
we are a beat up Jerusalem. We're a beat up Zion, a beat up people of God who need some comforting and consolation. And God say, it, it's okay, but you need to get back to work. It's time to rebuild. It's time to build back up. Why are we getting back to work? Because the glory of God is coming. There is a prophecy about you've been saved. You have been spared from destruction, but you've been spared for two reasons. Number one, to go and prepare the road for God to come back. And number two, to tell all of the nations of your experience. Because this is one of the few moments in salvation history where Israel seems to recognize their own sin, to recognize their own failings and why the punishment has come upon them. And God says, great, that means, and if you read on in this chapter, it says, you're no longer blind, deaf, and speechless, like the idols and the foreign gods of these foreign nations are. They're statues, they're wood, they're stone. They can't speak, they can't hear, and they can't reason. You can. Don't be like one of the idols that you formerly worshipped. Rather, go out with your voice and actually proclaim what you have seen, because what Isaiah 40 through 55 says is, worse is coming. This is nothing. Assyria was nothing compared to what is on the road, which is Babylon, which is going to come and finish the job. But what Isaiah, and this is what I've never really focused on, because we, we, we hear the comfort, and this is a passage that gets read a lot. Comfort, comfort, you know, consolation, speaking tenderly, all these things. But if you read on, the rest of chapter 40 is like a law court scene. It's testimony in a law court. There's technical language that Isaiah 40 through 55 uses that you would see in a law case. And the law... Um, the case that God is bringing forth to Israel is, I told you this was going to happen. If you look back, read the whole book of Isaiah. It's all foretelling what was coming. This is coming. There is, there is trouble on the way. You have to turn back. You have to repent. You have to come back to me. And what did Israel do? We didn't listen. We didn't listen. We didn't listen. We didn't listen. And now God says, okay, you've been beat up. It's time to comfort you. But now we got to take it to court because I got to litigate this deal. And I'm going to show you the evidence of why I am trustworthy. So in God's warning that there is worse coming, he's simultaneously saying, but if you look back, I'm trustworthy. Look, and he goes through, seriously, 40 through 55 literally goes through the whole rest of Isaiah and says, I said this, it came true. I said this, it came true. I said this, it came true. Therefore, if something's on the horizon, you need to trust me because I'm trustworthy. Because I'm able to be trusted. And you can see that if you look back. That's where memory comes in. Glory, memory, and gospel. And gospel is all about the road, the way, the, the road that God is traveling to lead us out of these troubling places. Absolutely. That's why the, the providence and the preparation for what, what God is actually wanting to do uh -huh. is is just critical, which right. actually is going to lead us into the, the psalm. But again, uh, it's worth noting that Israel stuck in the in-between. Right. We were saved, trouble's right. coming, and we're going to get saved again, but now we're in the middle. Yep. And what do we do in the middle? We remember. We, we use our memory. We get like Malcolm. In the middle? <laughs> oh, wait, Gladwell? Which Malcolm? Malcolm in the middle. Oh, okay. We're in the oh, in the middle, in the middle. Okay, I was right. Oh, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, thank you for <laughs> all of you who are participating in, uh, in our... Um, uh, uh, in our 
Giving Tuesday live link, you guys. You guys are absolutely wonderful. I'm so thankful for you. So far, we have have $350 in donations. Indeed. And um, a shout out to, I mean, there's a good number. I mean, what I love is that our numbers are so consistent. Like, you guys are in to, like, hang out with us. I just love it. So do we have some shout outs? Oh, we have so many shout outs. We got uh, Deacon Stockstill coming from Houston. Sharon back in Denver. Mary Beth, God bless Mary Beth, is actually, I'm not, sorry, Mary Beth, I'm going to say it. Well, you put it on social media, it's, I'm going to lose it. Um, totally breaking the remote teaching rules. She's teaching a class, but she's got us listening while her mic is muted, while her students are reading their books, which, awesome, well done. Dude, that's like a, that's like a priest. We have always heard rumors of priests who would listen to the football game with like a little earbud in while they're hearing confessions. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. and and Because Jesus is listening. It's it, cool. What happened is I was tempted out. once with one of the oh, AirPods no. because you can put it on the other side of the screen. I was tempted. I did for like one minute in between confessions, and I was like, I got to stop. I can't. I just... Oh, I was, no. like, I was like, I just, I just can't do it anymore. This is that's so, good. Okay, so well, I got it. We got Dingus watching from uh, New Zealand. What? Um, we yeah. have uh, Anne from Olath. Oh wait, Olatha. She actually gave me the pronunciation. The, the, the Thank f- you, f- Kansas. Hooked on Pahonics. Hooked uh, on Pahonics, right? Betsy is down in Michigan. Um, this is great. And there's like two more platforms that I can't get to because I'm not that tech savvy. Um, this is great. You guys, we're so grateful. If you're just tuning in or if you're just uh, checking us out or if you're listening later on. So we are doing a special live podcast for Giving Tuesday. We're trying to raise $20,000 in 24 hours to support the ministry that we do here at CU Boulder and, and, and uh, um, the world beyond, I suppose, bringing the Catholic yeah. intellectual tradition. If you want to help us out, go to thomascenter.org, click on donate, or you can text 720-513-7337. And we cannot do this without your help. So thanks so much, you guys. Thank you so much. Which that uh, felt very final, like we were yeah. closing the podcast, but we're not. We got like three more readings. Yeah, so okay. that brings us into the psalm. It brings us into Psalm 85. Lord, let us see your kindness and grant us your salvation. Which is like, I mean, that one feels like, like that's what you can remember that one. Lord. The music is playing in my head. Exactly. Absolutely. That's the beauty of being Catholic, right? Right. Catholics are this, the stereotype type reputation is that we don't know scripture, but if you start quoting it, we all know it. Like we all know this stuff. Catholics, if you've been going to mass for any period of time, it's all stuck in our heads. We We don't know the address. address. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Come on. You took my line, man. Oh, come on. It's a communal line. (laughs) I was going to say it You just told everybody that our stuff is to be stolen. Did you not? So I'm stealing it. All right. So a couple of things to say about this passage. Um, (laughs) Psalm 85. So one of the things that's believed about Psalm 85 is that it also has an historical context. And the historical context, although the church Christianity has traditionally prayed it during Advent and at Christmas season— It's believed that, and I never knew this, but it's believed that um, its context actually shows up in the time of Ezra and Nehemiah, which if that's true, man, the way that blows up the first reading is really cool because in Ezra, in the time of Ezra and Nehemiah, what's happened? Israel, what Isaiah foretold, the worst that is coming, the Babylon, the slavery, the exile, the, the horribleness has now come to an end. And Israel has been allowed to return to the Holy Land, to rebuild Jerusalem, to rebuild the temple. But after this profound moment of salvation, when Israel comes back to the Holy Land, do you remember there's this problem? And so we have the prophets like Haggai and Zechariah, I believe, who are, are saying, well, the problem of the people of Israel is that they've come back, 
But do you remember the story? They've resettled the promised land, or they're beginning to resettle it, but they have a problem. There's something they don't want to do. Do you remember what it is? And it directly applies to what you talked about before. Build a wall. Um, they don't want to build. Yeah. They don't want to build. And specifically, it's the temple. You're like, they don't you're, you're, you're such a, you're like a good teacher where you give like a, uh, like too much of an answer and then you zone in versus I've had other teachers where like if you say too much, they literally will just hammer you until you get the exact phrase. Oh, yeah. Oh, and then I'm that. traumatized. That's so mean. thank you for being such a good, you're like, you're like so kind. And but nice. you were there. But, but yeah. you're, and I didn't think about the theme of building. Right. I mean, I did in Isaiah, but. That's the problem they're having here. And so ah. the, the, the problem that they're having is they don't want to rebuild the temple because, you know, it's all these things. They're like, we don't even have our own houses built yet. Jerusalem's a mess. Like, oh, my gosh, now we have to re- worry about rebuilding the temple, too, which was the source of all these problems. And they think that God has kind of abandoned them because his presence is no longer in the temple, which if you have that context, then what it says I will hear what God proclaims, the Lord, for he proclaims what? Peace to his people, shalom, an end to warfare, an end to the humiliation that Isaiah talked about, all this stuff, right? Near indeed is his salvation to those who fear him, glory dwelling in his land. And that's where glory is not an abstraction. It's not just, oh, God is neat. It's near indeed is his glory. In other words, the people's complaint in the time of Ezra and Nehemiah is, why should we rebuild the temple? We're beat up. We don't have our own homes. We don't have our acts together. And God's glory has abandoned us. His presence had left, has left us. And this psalm says, no, it's near to you. It's at hand, in a certain sense, is what the gospel will then proclaim. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's within reach. You just have to do the job, do the work, get the construction underway. I always make the joke. It's a dumb joke. I always call it the field of dreams theology. Which is the, the idea of Ezra and Nehemiah is if you build it, he will come. Build the temple and show God that you are ready to have him reoccupy your hearts and your land and your vicinity, your community. Which is a great, I think, uh, insight into what Advent is supposed to look like. Ezra and Nehemiah, Haggai, this is a great insight for what, uh, what our Advents in our spiritual life should look like. It's a time where we're saying, I'm going to rebuild the walls of my heart. I'm going to rebuild, not, not walls in the sense of keeping like out, keeping that sounded out. wrong. Yeah, not like but the gonna, uh, Sheldon Van Auken kind No, of not that kind of a method. thing. But I'm going to prepare my heart because I want God's presence to be dwelling there. Right. I'm going to make a concerted effort to show God, no, I want you dwelling within me. I want your presence. Even though sometimes we don't want to do the work. We don't want to you know, drag ourselves out of bed or do the holy hour or go to mass or whatever it is. I'm going to get up. I'm going to drag myself to work. And I'm going to do the hard stuff so that I can experience the glory that comes. To show God that I, I do really want you as we live in the in-between, right? As we live yep. in between salvations. I know you've saved me. I know you've brought me out of this, but life is still really hard. And I face all this stuff that I don't want to face. And it's hard and it's daunting. And sometimes it is hard to get out of bed in the morning. Right. So well, why should I even bother? Well, because in the line in the Psalms, it says, the Lord will give what is good and our land will yield increase. Right. That, 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 like as soon as we see land yielding increase, we're talking about reversing the sin of Adam. Yeah. Is that there's reversing the, this, this expression of, of like, oh, I've done all of this highway work and I'm <laughs> sitting here and the, 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 the parade is supposed to go by and nobody's here and I'm just wait. you know, it's like I got my DJ booth set up and there's nobody to dance. Like, it's like the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade that they did in front of no one. <laughs> oh. Well, they had it. it I was, did. No, I didn't see it. Which, no, praise be to God, it's like, one of our fa- my favorite Thanksgiving traditions. And they actually still did the stuff. No way. But in front of nobody. 
And it's like, okay, we're, we're here. Where's all the people? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, everybody. No, that's exactly it. It's like we've done all the highway It's a work. really interesting metaphor for that. Right. It, it really, it's really disturbing and beautiful. And, and I'm not trying to stretch the metaphor too far. Okay. But if you're to. there, like you're performing, you're doing your thing, you're like, okay, we showed up. We're here. It's the biggest parade of the year. Like it's this huge thing. Where is everybody? I don't see them. But where are they? Well, I was watching on TV and everyone was live streaming it. And we have it's this it's this reality. Like sometimes we don't want to show up. We don't want to rebuild the road. We want to go to the parade, whatever, because we don't feel like it's going to do anything. We don't feel like God's actually there. Is he mm. showing up? Is he here? Mm. And the whole message of the Macy's Thanksgiving Day virtual parade is <laughs> no, he's there. You just can't see him yeah. all the time. Uh, that's a weird. I, I probably stretched it too far. Yeah, but yeah. I don't know. Maybe there's something. But that leads us uh, well into Second, <laughs> Second Peter. Second Peter, man. Um, yeah. Again, uh, pause for Peter the man. cause. Like pause for the cause, baby. You know, um, the the work that we do here um, has changed lives, and I want to give shout outs to to Bob, um, who says that we're good on YouTube. That makes me very happy. From Wisconsin. Excellent. So um, for Ricky from South Bend, Indiana, um, for um, Kate, who's here up here in Boulder, ah. um, we got um, uh, Elijah from South Dakota in between online classes. Nice. Well done, Elijah. Your professors will never know Louis. if you just watch us. Lewis also is uh, in Broomfield, and Aye. Steve, who's one block away, who is oh, yes. our new neighbor. Absolutely. And uh, Paul from Fort Collins, who loves us and oh. says, cheers. I, I don't have anything to cheers you right now. I like, have some coffee. Yes, cheers. Scott has, Scott has coffee, so he's going he's gonna to drink to your good mm. health. I do. And then Buck. Uh, Buck is up in Fort Collins. So right. um, you guys are all like, we I just love, love you. And we're so thankful for your participation and your good work and your donations. Um, Can I uh, give a couple more? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Always. I, I want to specifically do uh, one from Peter, who's out in the UK, which is really fun. Wonderful. I always love our international um, viewers and listeners. So that's, we got New Zealand. We got the UK. We had Germany. That's super fun. I just got an email that was probably spam that said we're huge in Qatar. So that's her cutter. I'm pronouncing it wrong. We got Rachel from Buffalo, which is super cool. Buffalo! Which is I, your, I, you got I, some family yeah, out my, there? I got family out there. Buffalo, dude. Buffalo. That's, that's the Buffalo, man. If, you, if you're from Buffalo, you know what I'm saying. I do. I'm not from Buffalo, but I can deduce it. Hey, no, nah, so, man, I'm from Buffalo, dude. Come on, name, name the movie. You got it, like. I got nothing. Hey, man, I'm from Buffalo. That's a, a, um, a Beverly Hills Cop. Uh, 450 He's thank from, you we have um, we have a way to go uh so to twenty thousand dollars so i'm really looking forward to um a good ten thousand dollar donor to step up absolutely you know, I know you're if, out there you know if you're you're just saying to yourself you know what this has changed my life um which we actually get notes like that all the time um uh, for people that has actually changed their life people who've gone through our cia who've become catholic who have um, uh, converted from other faiths to 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 come and to join to join us here in the sacramental life in the Roman Catholic Church? It's just such a gift. So thank you. If if we've gotten a chance to get you in touch with Jesus Christ and His Word, um, thank you so much. And I would encourage you to just give back. Um, one of especially the if you're watching from an oil platform in the Gulf of Mexico. No, which one of our listeners is? Dude, that's the that that might be the winner. Oh, Brian. His name is Brian. That Brian. is. That's pretty good. 100 miles from Louisiana coast. Dude, that's the best. It's kind of the best. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm loving that. So, I love it. So, yeah, we struck oil. 
Ah, uh, I see what today you did there. we struck oil. So, and oh um, speaking of striking oil, Second Peter. Second Peter. Oh my gosh. So I don't. So Second Peter was the one I I sort of spent the most time with yesterday, and I um, I was moved by Second Peter in a way that I've never really been moved. I've taught Second Peter before. I mean, I know the book. Yeah. But I took it, it's one of those books. You guys, if you get a chance, it takes about five minutes to read through the entirety of Second Peter. It's a very short book. It, it really is. I actually, I actually love it. Be, like I'm always looking for really short. <laughs> scriptures i am i mean i'm like, always on the lookout i'm always like like give me the gospel of mark because it's nice and short let me read the book of tobit because i can finish it in a sitting you know give me second peter because mm. it's so rich but it's short i like short things give me like a short novena you know don't make like yep. like you know what i'm saying i do yeah yeah, you like espresso cup. You like drinking straight espresso because the cups are so short. I like espresso, and I like the Divine Mercy Chaplet. Because, it is also short. Because <laughs> it's, it's like yeah, it's nice. It's like yeah, it's absolutely. nice. Sometimes it, you want to pray, you just knock I, it out. In I the call car. It, I call it the Zacchaeus principle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just I just made that up I, right here. You, clearly, you did, but it's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Okay. Um, I my 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 heart is full about Second Peter, and this yeah. is where I don't want to like go off the wrong direction because I was really, really moved by it in a really particular way yesterday. And I did, I read it a couple times. I was just sitting at my desk and I was like, I just, I just kept reading it. Um, second Peter, what do we say about second Peter? The couple things I want to say just by way of introduction is that a lot of scholars, many, many scholars, um, secular scholars pr- primarily and, and others too, do not think that there's any possible way that Peter, the Peter of the gospels actually wrote these books. There's a first Peter and a second Peter. Which the reason that most give is that the Peter of the epistles sounds almost nothing like the Peter of the gospels, right? The the Greek is very technical. It's very eloquently written. It's um, clearly educated. You know, there's all these things that just don't sound like the boneheaded Simon Peter that you see in the gospels, right? Um, what we have to remember about that, for those of us who take this seriously and actually believe the scriptures when they say it's Peter writing, because I think there's a grave problem if the scriptures are lying about that, that it's fairly problematic. But if we take it at its word, and this really is Peter, this is the Peter, this is not the Peter of the Gospels. It's not the Peter who walked with Jesus and was up on the transfiguration and tried to cut the guy's ear off or did cut the guy's ear off who, who denied Jesus. I mean, he, it is that Peter, yeah. but it's that Peter many years later, decades later, having grown, having matured, having, there's a line. What's the, the last line of uh, first Peter, um, second Peter, sorry. I, I had it open and I lost it. Um, but it's a Peter who's matured in the last line of second Peter. I just want to say this. He gives an encouragement to his listeners to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I like that line because I'm like, oh, man, you did that. This is the impetuous, ear-cutting, you know, denying wild man Peter of the Gospels, having taken this seriously and grown in the grace and knowledge of his Lord and Savior and reflected on his life and become this sort of elder statesman of the church and this mature bishop and spiritual leader, the Pope. Um, and, and it reflect it's reflected in this letter. And if you, of course he doesn't sound like the Peter of the gospels because it's like 30 years later. And I hope that I don't sound the same, you know, when I'm 60 that I did when I was 30 years old, you know? Well, you might actually sound oh, like it tomorrow. 
<laughs> because it, for the Lord tomorrow. Oh is yes, a I see. I see what years. you're saying. Yes, yes, yes. Well, no, no, but no, I, no. It's it's true. I actually think that that's so beautiful and wise. I mean, it's it's like you know what I've realized is that the promises of God take time to become fulfilled. And that's exactly Peter's point here. Right. And that's what it, he's not just saying. He's not just preaching it at you. He's speaking of his experience of that. Right. And I love, I don't know how much time you spend on this. I love it when he goes through the trans, he's like, I was there at the transfiguration. I remember, I, I actually saw this and now I'm finally coming to grips with what that meant. I mean, you know, there's, it's one thing to, this is, this is the beauty of the Christian life is that God takes us through all of these events of our life, all of these experiences, good and bad and somewhere in between. And then sometimes decades, years later, we begin to see, oh, that's why. And so I think one of the major themes throughout this letter is the idea of memory. What is it memory of? The gospel and how the gospel has been active, not just even in the New Testament. The gospel is an Old Testament term. And that's one thing that Isaiah made clear. Gospel is not simply about the New Testament arrangement of these books. It is the message that when you feel wiped out and beaten down, you need to remember that God has made a promise that he will come and be with you and accompany you him. So build up the highways of your hearts. Build up the highways of your world. Prepare the way because he's coming. He came 2,000 years ago, physically incarnate, walked with dirty sandals on a dusty highway road. That was real. And every single day he still wants to do that in each of our hearts, which is this beautiful reality. And so Peter's message is, don't forget, remember. And I think you can organize the entire book around the concept of past, present, and future, but he rearranges it. And so all of chapter one, again, it's a really short book. All of chapter one is about present. It's present tense. Okay. And he says, he, he gives up, I'm thinking back to Thomas Smith, our mutual friend. who's oh, just wonderful, Tom. but he also loves puns. Yeah. And I, I have it ringing in my head. He, he, um, talks about the, you know, so, so I take dietary supplements sometimes just to supplement our diet. He's like, well, these are spiritual supplements. I have it written down in my notes that he said that, <laughs> but in chapter one, he, he talks about, um, gospel supplements. And he says in verse five, for this very reason, make every effort, effort to supplement your faith. You have faith. Awesome. You believe in Jesus. Awesome. You're striving to follow him. Cool. Supplement it with virtue and your virtue with knowledge and your knowledge with self-control and your self-control with steadfastness and your steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. And if you do that, these things will be yours in abundance, Peter says. And so the, fir the, the first section of the book is you can only love now. You can't yeah. love someone in the past. You can't love someone in the future. You can only literally in this moment be active in willing the good of another. Right. And so he stresses his audience of that. But then in chapter two, he switches to past. So he starts with the present, then he moves to past. And if you if you read through it, he exhaustively, but in a few verses, goes through salvation history. And says, hey, do you remember all of these times when the people of God were so beat up? Remember the exile? Remember Balaam? Remember Egypt? Remember, you know, all of these terrible things. Did God ever once fail to rescue his faithful? Did God ever once fail to pull and vindicate the people who were beat down by the Egyptians, by the Babylonians, by the Assyrians, by anybody else you can choose? Was there one time that God didn't, number one, maintain his faithful remnant and number two, save and vindicate them? And yet you are worried about this present moment. And yet you are terrified of everything around you. Did you forget? Have you not remembered? And so he says constantly, I want to remind you three times, framing the entire letter. 
He says, I'm writing you this letter. And this is believed to be Peter's last letter. It's the letter written on his deathbed. He says, literally, my time is up. It's over for me. I, I'm, I'm facing Caesar and I'm going to lose my life. And I want you to remember what I told you. And what I want you to remember is your story. Because, I mean, again, we're living in hard times right now, but these are people who are about to get slaughtered by the Roman Empire, who are probably terrified. And he's saying, don't forget the story of the people of God. And if you think you somehow won't be saved, if somehow God will have forgotten about you, but remembered about everybody else in the Old Testament, then you've missed the whole thing. And that's when he then in chapter three looks to the future. Here's why you have hope. Here's because this is who Jesus is and this is how he's coming. And if you feel like this has taken too long and you're just bogged down by suffering and horrible things and misery and it's too hard and you don't want to get up and you don't want to build the highway and you don't want to build up the temple, know that for God, one day is like a thousand years. So you can be patient, you can endure, you can withstand this because God's memory is long and God's ways are not our ways and God's time is not our time. And I say that as you look at your watch, because time, it was yeah, funny. It's funny because I got a notification. I thought somebody was like trying to talk. No, it was to kind me. of your timing was <laughs> timing was amazing. Yeah, that is how it is. Yeah, uh, well, and but, I just and, was so struck by that. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's just I think it's really beautiful. Like this this idea of what is present. I mean, mm. I, and and I'm just so struck again. The paradigm of of highway construction for me is <laughs> yeah. is is so yeah. powerful. And so here we have the Bishop of Rome. <gasps> Who's grasped that that really like the, the timing of God was such that he came right when yeah. the Roman Empire actually built up a network of roads and allowed the right. whole world to become connected right. through a series of highways. highways, literally. And so when we're talking about yeah. highways, I, I can guarantee you the amount of effort that it takes to build a road yeah. that they understood what undergirt what uh, what came below next and above to be able to create and right. to make present right. this reality of this highway construction. Absolutely. So we see that Israel is we, they've been trying to do it. But now we actually have the Bishop of Rome yeah. who understands this profoundly but then says, even at that, even at all of this work, even at all of these these um, things that maybe you did it under compulsion, mm-hmm. maybe you did it as a slave, maybe mm-hmm. you did it as somebody who um, was getting paid for this. Yeah. But <laughs> all of these elements, all of this stuff, even in this, that God's justice is going to come. And e- the, the, even if, if you look upon this and it creates pain in your life, yeah. um, even if you did this with all the generosity that you had, if, that God is going to come and he's, gonna, he's actually going to give us what we are intrinsically longing for, right. for this peace. So since all these things are to be dissolved in this way, what sort of persons ought you to be, the living lives of God, uh, of holiness and godliness? And then he recycles all the supplements that he said in chapter one, or right. some of them. He actually brings it back. He's like, so what? Right. So we're going to actually build this up because yeah. according for his promise, we wait for a new heavens and a new earth where righteousness is at home. Because let's be honest, that that it, right mm-hmm. now we look around and righteousness isn't as at home. Right. All you have to do is you look around and you live a faithful life as as a devoted Orthodox Christian. I'll tell you what, you're not at home in this world Absolutely. right now. And and in in, in increasing globalism, they're coming together. They're all coming together to say no, we're not going to allow this to be 
um, the utopia, because I'll tell you, th this is actually one of the things that I've been looking at. There is no cure for pain, brother. No. There is no cure for pain. I don't care. You can be the most amazing environmentalist in the entire universe, and it's not going to solve your pain. You can be as woke as you want, and it's not going to solve your pain. You can be as orthodox in your Christianity, and you're not going to solve pain. It's true. But how you deal with that. If you believe that somehow that there's some magic bullet, some magic way to just avoid and to get out of it, and we can hit the fountain of youth, and we can go Ponce de Leon on this thing. But it's, it's not, it's not going to be solved. But there are answers. And this is, the, this is actually the, the, the very difficult question, is that there's answers to pain. Yeah. And that's, that's why when I'm looking at Isaiah, when I'm looking at St. Peter, one day is a thousand years. Be patient. There is a fulfillment to this. That though you may be enslaved and having to do this, that, that there's going to be an answer to this highway that's being built. There is going to be an answer. It may not be a cure. But there is going to be a word that comes from God to allow us to see truly what God is meant to be, what he has meant to do all along. Yeah, I've been, everyone can see what I'm doing, which I actually, is very I, frustrating. I, well, no, no, I, I actually was trying to like <laughs> oh, go away awesome. from you, but then I did get you like the the, the scattered, it's the Scott of like the uh, the furious note Scott, which is really good. I hope you guys got a view of that. Well, I wanted to I wanted to pull out a word, not from Second Peter, but from First Peter, because then reading Second Peter, I was like, I gotta go back to First Peter, which is a very different kind of a letter. And so, but, he, so you tried to read it as <laughs> doing the podcast right I did, now? yeah. Year no, 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 I just tried to find something in my notes that I oh, wrote down okay, last night. Okay, okay. Um, the way that Peter addresses the community in the first epistle of Peter. And I don't know if you knew this because I, I didn't know this fact, but he, he talks about them as um, pi, pi kailas. Pykylus, is that right? I, I no, thought it was pi, it was paella. It it's was paella. actually it was was the was the word that you no, were looking at. It's the wrong for. word. Father Peter, where is it? Hold on. I don't um it is I can't remember the I now I can't find the word because it's not here, but the word oh yeah, here it is. Um parakaios. No, paroikos. Paroikos. Poirokos. Pyrokos, which is translated in the in the text of First Peter as aliens. This is basically who you are in the world. Okay. But the word par paraikos. Paraikos. Um, it literally means the literal uh, meaning of the word is people who are outside of the house. So parallel para to the oikos, to the house, oh, yeah. which is the term that we derive parishioners from. So when we talk about being parishioners or people who are part of this community, we're literally saying, oh, yeah, us, the faithful, we're the people outside of the house. We're the people who kind of don't fit in. Who don't? Oh. Who are not at home? Oh. And Paul trans our translations in English oftentimes call it aliens or sojourners or something like that. But paraoikos, those outside of the house, those who don't quite fit. And what's our job outside of the house? To call to those in the house and tell them the truth about what's outside. This is what the call in Isaiah is: is now that you've suffered, now that you've gone through this, getting beat up, and have been comforted by God, now you have a job to do. And your task among the nations, among the houses that you sit outside of, is to say, no, 
the things that you're putting your faith and your trust and your love in are blind and deaf and speechless. And God is alive. So make the road. Build the highway because he's coming. And I know it doesn't feel like it, but this is the point. This is the job. Um, when Peter, the last thing I want to say about Second Peter, when Peter uh, at the very beginning of the book kind of lays um, his agenda for the book, what he says, I just want to read this line. He says it's in chapter 1, uh, verse... 12. He says, therefore, to the beloved he's writing to, I intend always to remind you of all of these things, though you know them and you're established in the truth that you have. I think it's right, as long as I am in this body, to arouse you by way of reminder, since I know that I'll be putting off my body soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me. I know I'm going to die. And so my job is to remind you. But the word he uses by uh, in verse 13, by way of reminder, and I don't have the Greek word in front of me, but I have a note. The only other place that that word is used in the entire New Testament is in Luke chapter 22, verse 61. Do you have any idea what happens in Luke twenty-two sixty-one? 61? It's the moment that Peter, the author of this book, is denying Jesus. Their eyes meet as the cock is crowing outside by the fire, and he remembers that he has denied him. And that he promised him he wouldn't. And so when Peter says, I am sharing all of these things by way of reminder, and he uses the word that the only other time is used, is in Peter's darkest moment, in his recognition of how far he's actually come from God. I think what he's asking us of is, is fairly loaded. It's a powerful idea for Paul. In other words, don't just remember all the happy Peter, things. Peter, you mean. Oh, yeah, Peter, sorry. But his remembering, what it means to actually remember, what memory actually looks like, is not just, oh, I remember, you know, being with those family members that one time and that was super fun. Here's this anecdote. No, bring it back. I mean, it's not quite the idea of anamnesis of making present, but in right, a certain right. sense it is make that present. And Peter, for Peter, years later, as the Pope, as, you know, this elder statesman of the church, articulate now, not an out-of-work fisherman cutting ears off, to have that it's got to be in the back of his mind as he's saying, no, I, I remember that though. And because of that experience, that painful, horrible fall on my face should have been thrown out of the house of God experience. I can write you the things that I write you. And then immediately after that, he goes on to say, and then I also remember that time that Jesus took us up on the mountain and he showed us his glory, his doxos, this idea of glory. And I heard the voice from heaven say, this is my beloved son. And I remember that as well. And I can somehow hold in tension my failure and my denial of him and my memory of his glory shown to me in a way that no other human eyes had seen except for John and James. And I can hold those memories because that then gives me the ability to tell you what I need to tell you, to sustain you in the face of all of this mess that you're facing. I was really, I was just really moved by that. Well, which brings us to the gospel, which well, which, which uh, also brings me to being moved by the generosity ah. and the love uh, that has been um, that you guys have poured out. So we've uh, made seven hundred and fifty dollars so far, and it is such a gift and uh, such a wonder that um, that your support is here for us. I mean, it's it's so funny because Scott and I, um, we started this podcast a long time ago, and, long time ago, uh, and um, and we i mean literally there were a few of you that were here from like the early days and uh and we are so thankful for you from the early days uh that you were with us um but um 
we keep growing yeah. and God is so kind and we keep on adding so many people. And so uh, I, I want to give a shout out to my mom. My mom says, love you guys from your mamacita. Which is the best. Little mom. So you gotta, you gotta, you gotta give like a, a little love to your mom. You always, know, of course. Always, it's like, hi, mom. Like, <laughs> why don't people do that on TV anymore? You do know they what I'm not? saying? Uh, they, they probably just edit it out. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, Katie says that she started listening in Advent 2018 and has been oh, a weekly li listener ever since. Thank you so much wow. for your immense wisdom and for all the laughs. And Milze sent us a comma and a T. T E A or just the just letter the, T? Just the letter, like a one comma I'll take and, it. in the comment and then a T. I'll take it. Yeah. I can always use a yeah, T. My name has two of them. Yeah, yeah. So I'm always on the lookout it, for any a other good tea. Any other shout outs? Yeah, I want to say hello to Heather from Saskatchewan up in Canada. Um, we got Susan from St. Helena Island in South, uh, South Carolina, which is awesome. Maggie from the Bronx. Oh, Maggie. Um, we have Carrie out in Ohio. whole bunch of folks. This is great. Yeah, and yeah. Again, please. Um, if you can help us, uh, we really appreciate it. There are, there are almost 30,000 students at the University of Colorado in Boulder. Um, a massive percentage of them actually identify themselves as Catholic. And so we have a hard task of trying to reach those people who might on a piece of paper check the word Catholic, but right. to get them to actually come and live the life of faith and live in the house as a part of the household of God, that's our job. That's our task. Right. You, you've said before... You're the only uh, priest you know that has to literally every year go out and find his parish and go out and find his congregation. Right. Um, which is, that's our task. And, and you know, we, we love what we do. And we love being a part of this university. And we love sharing the truth of the Catholic intellectual tradition, the riches. And we need your help to do it. So $20,000, 24 hours. Help us out if you can. ThomasCenter.org. Click on Donate. Uh, or 720... 513-7337. You can text donate, I think, to that. Yep. So one time, 720-513-7337. Yeah, and, and I have to say that, um, uh, you know, on an occasion, we have about 40,000 people a week who will listen to the podcast. God bless them. And um, which, which, if only that 30,000 of those were from the university here. I mean, uh, yeah. it, 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 it's like a message in the bottle. It's like I, I long for the university here and our students and everybody around to deeper, more deeply engage with Sunday Mass. It mm. is the greatest opportunity. And if we can start there and then build out, we find them and we plant seeds. And so thank you for being a part of that and to uh, affirming that this is actually something really, really good. So Indeed. Which leads us into the gospel. Speaking of things that are really, really good. Yep. <laughs> see, see, see that there? That was good. I like yeah. that. And, you know. So the 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 gospel is the fruition of Isaiah 40. It is where Isaiah 40 is pointing. And actually, if you read closely, the very the way that Mark actually begins his gospel, he says the begin I don't want to get too deeply into grammar, but I have a, a grammatical proposition that so you know in Koine Greek which was the style of Greek that the gospel that the New Testament was written which is in. which is different than dollar Greek it's Koine oh, Greek Koine. you know it's oh like a, yeah it's different than classical Greek for those of you <laughs> sticklers out there but one of the fascinating <laughs> things about Koine, Koine Koine is the Greek word that means common and um you know you, you talked about the 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 idea of God's timing this idea of of Kairos time right not just Chronos like what time is it but Kairos that God has a time scheme in his heart and his mind um 
it's not coincidental that Jesus showed up incarnate at the moment that Roman Empire had completed thousands and thousands of miles of highways connecting right, the known right. world. Exactly. It's also it's- not coincidental that most of the known world was sharing one language, which was Koine Greek, which is literally commoners Greek, the Greek for everybody, not the Greek of Plato and Aristotle and Socrates, but the for lack of a better way to put it, dumbed down Greek that everybody can access. Which did they, is sell, what the did they bo- sell books of that a Greek for everybody? I have that book on my shelf. <laughs> I have Greek for Everybody by Robert Mounts, I think. No, it's a fantastic you, text. Oh, yeah, me? he has the For Everybody series. <laughs> anyway, um, it's a great... But it, so Koine Greek has no punctuation. There's no periods, commas, capitalization. It's just a, a blob of words and letters if you were to see the original. But I have to say that that's, that's easier than Latin, which doesn't even have space between the letters. Neither does Koine Greek. Really? Yeah. It's just it's just one run-on word? It's one run-on word. Are you kidding me? No, that's on no... a scroll. So, yeah, I mean, man. think of the poor monks that had to figure out, like, uh, do I put a comma here? And I, I think I'm going to break this word here. But that being said, I, I think there's a way to read this first line of Mark's gospel that's different than the way that most of our translations portray it. So my translation says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God period. Then it says, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, behold, I send my messenger ahead of you to prepare your way. The problem with that is that when it says, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, it doesn't quote Isaiah. Really? It quotes Malachi. Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. Prepare your, to, he will prepare your way. That's a quote from Malachi. And then it conflates. Malachi. Then it gives the voice crying out in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord. That's from Isaiah 40. But he said, this is why some scholars really uh, are critical of the Gospel of Mark because they think it does. He, he's just haphazard. He's stitching things together. He's making mistakes. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, then he doesn't quote Isaiah. But what if you read that first sentence differently? And what if instead of where we have the punctuation here, it actually says the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, period. Right. So saying the Gospel right. of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, right. is what you read about in Isaiah. And I'm going to unpack that story for you. And then he quotes Malachi. Then he quotes Isaiah. And then he begins to stitch together all of the Old Testament passages. What? That talk about highway construction. That say the Lord has been longing to return to you. So get ready the road. Prepare the way. There's The idea of the gospel as, again, I've been talking about this whole day, an abstraction that, you know, if you go up to most Catholics coming out of Mass on Sunday and you said, hey, what does gospel mean? I bet 90% of them could say, good news. Good news. Yeah, right. Exactly. Which tells That's you absolutely what nothing. What does gospel mean? Good news. What's the news? I don't know. <laughs> like, what's the object of that? Oh, Jesus somehow. But the Old Testament sense of gospel is very tangible. And that's what Mark wants to unpack for you. It says, look, if you go to the Old Testament, Malachi, Isaiah, elsewhere in Isaiah, it says the people of God are suffering. They've been beat up. They have felt abandoned. They feel left behind, as we all do sometimes. So the gospel is, when he says later on in chapter 40, get you up on a high mountain and proclaim the good tidings, the good news, the evangelion, the gospel, it's that God is coming back. You think he left you. You think he abandoned you. His glory is returning. And if you want to know where that glory is going to show up, he says, literally, look to the wilderness. 
which was a region east of Jerusalem around the Jordan River. And when you look to the wilderness, you will see a voice crying out in the wilderness, a messenger preparing the way. Well, guess what? There's a guy named John the Baptist who's in the wilderness by the Jordan yelling to prepare. And I, was thinking, he, I was thinking about John the Baptist and how actually you could say make straight forward the way of the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> like, like you, the, absolutely. The, the, well, there's a, there's a cl- well, I mean, yes. I, I mean, his route this, is circuitous. His route is circuitous. <laughs> well, but that's what I mean. It's like make yeah. straight forward. There's a clarity. This is yes, what's going to happen. There's a clarity. Right. And here's somebody who's actually making it happen. Yeah. And, and so repent. But that's not. But that's not the end of the story. Sins. No, it's not. But so the, but, but the but because because yeah. it's the road. I mean, then that's right. actually that's actually what the the paradigm of the Gospel of Mark is the hodos, right. the the way the, of the, right, the highway, right? And the 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 road is is key because there's four parts to the story. God's coming. This is what the Old Testament teaches us, says Mark. This is what Isaiah told us. God's coming back. There's he's going to come from the wilderness. I, I don't know. If and I said boy, four. is he honked. And boy, well, he's not at the time. I'm, he no, gets honked just, later. That, that's a joke. I know. That, but Come on. But, <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> he gets honked, though. OK, so God's coming back. Where do we look for him? Where do we find him? Look to the wilderness over by the Jordan. You will see a voice, somebody crying out. So God's coming. He's going to be in the wilderness. There's going to be some guy yelling. And what's he going to do? Then what? Isaiah says is his road is going to travel from the wilderness to Jerusalem, to the temple, where he will defeat all of our enemies and receive his crown. God's coming back. He's going to be in the wilderness. There's going to be a voice, somebody shouting. He's going to go to the temple. He's going to defeat our enemies, and he's going to receive his crown. That's six parts. But that's the gospel. So the reason we call all four of the books in the New Testament gospels is not because they abstractly talk about Jesus. It's because they all tell the narrative of God becoming incarnate, showing up in the wilderness of the the Jordan Valley with a voice crying out, preparing him, and Jesus traveling an a hodos, a road that ends and climaxes in Jerusalem at the temple where he defeats our enemies and is crowned with a crown of thorns and elevated as our king. That's the gospel. It's, it's as tangible as it could possibly be. And what is the church asking us to do? It's saying... Think, remember, use your memory to recall this. What is your memory supposed to tell you? That whatever you feel like you're facing right now, remember how God has already set you free. And if that's not enough for you, think back and name and look at all of the other people he has set free in darker circumstances than you had. Right. And the ways in which he has brought everyone out of this according to his timing that Peter says is not our timing. It could be a thousand years for God. But it doesn't matter. And Peter, you know, it's it's significant that Peter, at the very end of his life, at the end of one's life, I think you have a different perspective than you do in day to day. Right. And you're like, you know, nobody at the end of the, I, I don't know. I mean, but I, I, the people that I've known on their deathbed and experiencing this, you know, you look back and you're like, man, that was nothing. You know, I, you know, I'm in the midst of raising three kids. I have a, th- a three-nager right now who's wreaking havoc around the house. And it's, you know, there's a saying about parenthood that the days are the days are long, but the years are short. Yeah. And I'm constantly trying to remind myself, this is really hard right now, but years from now, you're going to look back and this is going to be like the blink of an eye. And what are you going to remember? What are you going to have mm. given your children? Is it just being frustrated or mad that, you know, Evelyn has fed the really nice manger scene sheep to the dog, which she did last night. And we had a rough night with the dog because of it. We lost a good sheep. Uh, that I mean, anyway, yeah, yeah, oh. but you know what I mean? It, that's a still easy. Well, yeah, but, I mean, like I, I, I look time and, looks different right. when you're when you're facing the glory of God 
and you're about to see him face to face. Right. I, I look in, and um, uh, I received a gift of an industrial sewing machine from my father. And, <laughs> Didn't uh, we all? Yeah. Let's see. Uh, can you see it? Oh, uh, yeah. You can kind of see it. It's like... Uh, it's like right over there. If you can see it, then it's awesome. Nice. But um, you know, it, it was uh, it was restored from a, a machine shop, and and one of the guys in the um, in the shop uh, carved cuss words onto <laughs> the industrial <laughs> show it through the enamel, oh, just to like be um, just like just ju- just because he's he's mad, and so like because he's struggling, <laughs> he's not able to make sense of the yeah. struggle that's before him for the work that he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. Then we hear this good news. You know what? Mm. Okay, hold on. All of this stuff, all of this training is is actually going to be fulfilled. It's going to it's going to come. And on top of that, all of this is going to dissolve. Right. And all of this is going to dissolve into something that whereas whereas we're going to be entirely set free to the bondage of earth and the bondages um, of what we experience in this present life. And we're going to get to see a whole new constellation of experience in life, a new heavens and a new earth that these are all, this is a concrete progression of life that the training that we're receiving is absolutely profound. Yeah. And and that right now it's hard to actually make sense of it because we're still waiting. We're waiting. The highway, the the, the, the Macy's parade has not gone through yet. <laughs> we're we're anticipating right. it. Right. And we've done all of this work and we're going through all of this training and this experience and we're trying to not get resentful. We're trying to not yeah. get all twisted up, but rather to say, okay, hold on. I can look at the promises of God and that as those promises of God are one by one being fulfilled through time, that we now actually get a chance to see it fulfilled in all time, in all of the experiences of God. And so I, I like yeah. I, I look and I say, wow, this is I, I like the fact I, I never actually asked myself why they were called gospels, but to take those six points of regression and then and to walk through them, I'm like, oh, and to, re- yeah, and that, to recognize this is sense. an Old Testament idea. Right, right. Fundamentally, which tells you what you need to know about it, because, again, it says God has always been faithful. God will always be faithful. And we have we need only to look at our memory and our collective memory, the collective right. memory of Israel and salvation history, to be able to see that, which is what these gospels are, these these readings are all saying in the midst of, of terrible times. Right. They're all talking about the in between. They're all in the in between, right? right? Really. I mean, Ezra Nehemiah in the Psalm. Is there a dance is, called the in between? I don't know. I keep thinking of Stranger Things on the Upside Down, but that's that's not <laughs> the same thing. Yeah, there's a lot of directionality going on. There's some but, directionality. But, 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 yeah. but, but I think actually that's part of why we're try we try to be as faithful as we can to the yeah. podcast. Yeah. Is that there is is that there is an imaging of the fidelity of God. Yeah. Even you know, sometimes right. he does, he gives he puts us on repeat, you know, like <laughs> sometimes he just repeats a that's lesson true. over and over again because we didn't learn it the first time. This is the story of salvation history, right? Right. It's never quite the same, but it always rhymes, right? That's the the old saying. History doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme. It does rhyme. And it is time that we probably finish today. So you guys, I have to say that um, your generosity and your participation, Mm. um, a shout out to uh, Middle Middle Sis 808, watching from Boston, from MacMedic 892, uh, and... um, and uh, for the generosity, eight hundred and sixty dollars we've raised during the podcast today, I'll tell you that um, if and we have twenty three more hours, yeah, if, for Pete's sake, if 
each one of the um, the listeners for for the lanky guys pledged even five dollars, ten dollars, fifteen dollars, twenty five dollars. Yeah. We would blow out the uh, goal that we have set. We would yeah. take that goal insanely. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I ask you, e- even small little, uh, just a, a something. Um, you know, we've been using the same equipment year after year. We had to buy new pop screens um, w- once, but like. This is a low cost. This is a low cost operation on this. It is, um, and so it really goes. It's a uh, basement operation. If it's you will. a basement operation. Garden it, it, it goes um, so directly to the work that we're doing that um, it is profoundly effective. So I ask you, yeah. uh, consider really even just giving a small donation. If if everybody jumps in, many hands makes light work. That's and, true. Uh, and just a couple more shout outs. We have. Uh, uh, Xenia from San Diego. We have uh, Susan and all of her kids in the backseat of the van who begrudgingly want to listen to us, which is what kids do. They act like they don't like it, but they love it. So to all of Susan Kennedy's kids, yeah. They've been stuck in the back of the van for three years. You should let them out to at least have some water. Um, Tim from Colorado Springs. We got Kathy in Fort Collins. So uh, we're, we're so grateful for all of you. Um, thanks for listening. Thanks for being with us. Um, before we close, I have one closing quick thought, if I may. Yo, yo, Which yo. is just a quote um, that seemed to it, – it, it res- I actually found it deep. I was looking for a picture on my phone deep in the thousands and thousands of pictures, and I found this from a long time ago that somebody sent to me. Um, and it resonated with these readings, and it resonated with where I feel like I am in, in life right now. And I've been thinking about it incessantly for the last, like, 72 hours. Not incessantly, but, you know, it's been there. And it's a quote from St. Francis de Sales. Um, and he said – this is even the first line. It's hard for me to hear. Um, but he says, never be in a hurry. Do everything quietly and in a calm spirit. Do not lose your inner peace for anything whatsoever, even if your entire world seems upset. And that's been just, it's hard to hear. Never be in a hurry. I'm always in a hurry. Do, do that, everything quietly. Yeah. I do everything loudly and frantically. Do it all in a calm spirit. Do not lose your inner peace for anything whatsoever, even if your entire world seems upset. And I keep thinking about the idea that th- this is how Christians transformed the world. This is how the early church converted the empire. Right. By I... being at peace in a calm spirit and quiet about the world being flipped upside down and in turmoil. Yeah. And that this has just been it, it reminds me, it feels like it, it, it goes into these readings and it's been it spoke yeah. to me a little bit. You know, it reminds me of the quote of my father who says, don't sweat the small stuff and don't sweat the big stuff. <laughs> That's good advice. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, I, I've been thinking about that. These are the that words of the saints, of though. This is what the saints say. I've been, I, I got a chance uh, well, uh, to uh, do some woodworking in my mm-hmm. wood shop and, and, and I and I kept on having to force myself to go into a peaceful, calm place because I did, I did a bunch of hand carving. Yeah, and um, and which requires, I'm sure, a steady, yeah, calm yeah, hand. Yeah, you have to just be patient and yeah. be attentive, and mm. uh, and so. As they say in the Eastern Church, wisdom, be, be attentive, attentive, be patient. But that's good Advent advice. That second part. That's good Advent advice. This is sort of my, becoming my Advent reflection yep. of how do we go into it? Because the Advent in particular, Christmas is coming. There's just stuff. And to do it with a quietness. I, I, St. Teresa of Avila said almost the same thing, right? Let nothing disturb you. Let nothing affright you. Um, all things are passing. God alone suffices. Yes. Well, so God alone suffices. Thank does. you for being a, a part of the podcast and for being a ah. part of <laughs> of uh, of our lives and such an encouragement. And uh, thank you for your donations and uh, for your um, your small ones, your big ones, for the gift of yourself. 
uh, the gift of uh, the word of God uh, penetrating all hearts and minds and for the transformation of the face of the earth. And, um, Absolutely. And if you're watching this later, anytime during the next 24 hours, again, if you want to help us out and support the ministry that we do here, you can go to thomascenter.org. You can click donate or you can text donate to 720-513-7337. Um, this campaign is going to go on for the next 20, 23 hours. Um, so please help us out. Tell your friends about us. Uh, you can point them toward YouTube and Facebook and they can check out the video. And we are so grateful that you've joined us. Yep. God bless you. Thank you. Happy Advent. Happy Advent. The Word on the Hill podcast is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. You can find us online at www.thomascenter.org A-I-C-T, and you can find the Lanky Guys podcast at lankyguys.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be back next time.